There it is. I don't know if that was really five minutes or not. <clears throat> Sorry, we've got a sign-in thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kathy. Some of you know me, some of you don't. Hi. Such good friends. Um, I want to make one announcement that we uh, didn't get in, of course. It's that time of year. So uh, we have a community dinner we do every year at St. Michael's Church. Actually, they host it. And they ask different churches uh, to go ahead and provide the meal and provide even the fellowship for the people that come. And there are many people from the community that come and get a good hot meal. Um, and it's, it's unknown how many hot meals they can actually get. But we do have a, a pretty good turnout there. But what we need are people like you who are willing to bake or make or whatever crock pot, um, some meal, whoa, some uh, casserole or something like that, some meat, potatoes, something like that, and bring it to that dinner um, by 4, 4.30 on Wednesday. That's this, no, it's not this Wednesday, a week from Wednesday, um, February 7th. There's a sign-up in the foyer before you leave. Please consider signing up for that to bring something. We need about 10 to 12 hot dishes to feed the uh, the people that come, but we'd also love for you to, to come out and actually connect with the, the folks as well. The dinner actually begins at 5. It lasts for an hour. Uh, it's, they're pretty good about uh, doing all that, but it is a good time to connect with people, to get out there and do what we've been uh, proclaiming and campaigning, and that is to love Warsaw. It's a good opportunity. If you have questions, you can talk to Ben Schultz. He's right there. All right. Wow, that wasn't fair. So I've lost a leg. <laughs> Lauren and Ben to the rescue. <laughs> Thank you. I won't touch. So I have the privilege and the honor of sharing with you today some thoughts along the whole theme we've had of, of our campaign to love God, love people, love Warsaw. <clears throat> and today, <clears throat> I uh, wanted to start off, I tend to like to start off things when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach very foundational, so I'm going to go in the beginning. Uh, it's just typical for me. Plan on the first line always being in the beginning. In the beginning, there was God, and God was, was filled with love. He was content and full in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is love, and because of that, he couldn't, he couldn't stand just being that, so he exploded. That's creation. He exploded, and, and the, the crown of his creation was mankind. And he put his image on us, and that desire to love and to relate in us. And that's who we are. We're people who are called to relate. And he made man, and he said, man, it's not okay that you're alone. Let me make a woman. And then he said, oh, great. Now let's make families. Let's make friends and communities nations. And, and that's how God is. He's just, just all about love being expressed outwardly to one another, to him. That is the nature of the kingdom of God at its core. So it would be, uh, it's in our DNA, you know, to connect. And we all long for relationship. I think you can all agree with that, right? <clears throat> you were created to relate. You were created to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. We've talked quite a bit in the last few months, especially in the last couple of weeks, about strategies of connecting with, 
with unbelievers, with people who don't know him yet, ways to, to make that conversation kind of edge and influence towards the kingdom, towards issues of faith within, you know, even, even the dinner, the community dinner, taking opportunity to make those connections with people we didn't know before. However, if we make our goal to get and reach, let's say, five non-believers this week and we, we get really good at our people's skills, the problem becomes that we lose the life that's in our outreach and we begin to do it as a rule. I, I think you all know that we kind of tend in that way. and We start feeling bad or guilty because we didn't make and connect with three people this week or whatever. So we've got to be aware that the motive inside of us has to be that original love of God, that that's the reason we reach out, right? Otherwise, we end up sucking the life out of what should be love, right? John 13, 35 says that we are known by our love, not by the number of converts we make, not by how many times we go to church, um, not even by how many community dinners we have, right? It's not a thing to do. Love is not a thing to do. It's a way to be. If loving people is really our underlying motive for initial connection, doesn't it make sense that love would be the power to fuel, to build, or foster, the nurture those relationships to? Isn't it love that initiates relationship and love that keeps it going? So if you and I were made for love and God loved us, and doesn't it make sense that it's, if it's in us that we all would want to love everybody all the time, every day? I know that's not a reality, trust me. I, I, uh, I'm an introvert myself, and so I can get peopled out pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, you don't even want to see me later today. I'm just, I'm kidding. What do you suppose the number one technological advancement of our generation that allows for the greatest people connection. What do you think the greatest, biggest technological invention was that allows, in our generation, that allows for the most connection with the most people? What is that? It's a, sm it's a smartphone. A cell phone is good, but a smartphone, oh my goodness. Is there any other kind? Yes, my father has a dead, uh, not a smartphone. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> so, yeah, the smartphone. We have the ability to text each other, email each other, Facebook each other, Instagram, tweet, Skype, duo, FaceTime, and search for anyone and anything that we want to in the entire world at any time during the day. Right? I was able to see Luke and Debbie not, not long ago, you know, because this amazing invention it has so many wonderful ways to connect. Now, what's the number one technological advancement invention that hinders relational connection. The smartphone, that's right, it's the smartphone, absolutely. So although we have dozens of ways to connect with one another, we also have a thousand ways not to, including BuzzFeed articles and cat videos and, you know, really important stuff like those podcasts we all have to listen to and, uh, you know, video games, video games, Pokemon, whatever. We've got to do this, right? And so this is a normal a normal sight, isn't it? It's a normal sight in, in restaurants. It's a normal sight in places where you think normally they'd be congregating, in a wedding, a reception. This is what you see, right? And I, I'm, not, I'm not 
looking, I'm not standing away going, all oh, those people. I'm right there too, guys. I'm right there too going, I wonder if I got an email. I wonder, I wonder what's the newest news. Now, I don't do that too much. It, it depresses me. But at any rate, I, I, I'm absolutely the same way in terms of being connection, uh, connecting uh, with my phone more than with actual people. And you know what's really funny to me is that this phone, you still can actually dial the phone and you can actually talk to somebody else if they pick up the other side. But it turns out we really don't prefer that. We actually don't want to verbally connect. We want to type in or send a quick meme or buzz an emoji. We want a smiley face or a heart because clearly that means I love you. <laughs> so what's the deal? How do we foster or nurture relationship in a disconnected world? That's the message today. How do we foster relationship in this world, this culture that we live in in America? If every single person was created for true human relationship, then why does it seem we want to avoid it all the time? You know why? I mean, y'all probably got great ideas. These are my thoughts. Because relationships require actual work. They require us to be intentional, engage. Relas relationships require us to share, to honor. They require our time, and our time then is kind of controlled by somebody else for a pe period of time. Relationships require, real relationships require vulnerability and transparency and emotion. Relationships are bumpy and confusing and messy, and they require us to look at our motives ugh, and challenge our opinions because Lord knows not everybody thinks the way I do. They cause us to feel uncomfortably, and they cause us to feel risky. Relationships are tough when it's real, when it's eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and you're in the same space. No wonder we prefer to look at our phones. We get the little personal hit of dopamine off of checking this. We do. There's something chemically that happens inside of us when we go, ooh, Facebook. It really does. There's a chemical response inside of you that's similar to addict addiction. And we, and we move to it. We hate boredom. We hate it. I don't know why, but we hate to just sit. We need something. Um, we're very, 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 um, almost ADD about it. We've we got to move. We've got to keep engaged in the thing rather than the people. Somehow we'd rather do that than have awkward, uncontrollable relationship. Imagine that. Meanwhile, we're starving for actual real relationship because remember, that's how we were created for real relationship. We're starving for it. We're snacking on shallow connection and voyeurism. We would rather be in the know about people than actually be known by people. The Bible is filled with scripture to love. You probably knew that. That's probably not, not news to you. God asks us, commands us even, to love one another. Jesus says, this command I give to you, that you love one another. If you would, I'll show you another, another section. It's filled, but let me just show you a section in Romans uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Paul speaks to the Romans, and this is what he says regarding relationship. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, 
giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not let set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no man for evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So even without distractions like smartphones, Romans apparently needed to be reminded how to treat one another, how to relate, right? They probably had other things, you know, swords and shields and lions. I don't know what they all had in, in Rome, but... They were distracted, and, and they were still kind of looking inward and, you know, concerned with their own self-interests and not wanting to be bored, and, not, and they wanted to be fulfilled, but they were forgetting the people around them. And so Paul was giving them this encouragement, and that encouragement stays in the Scripture for us as encouragement as well. So, again, that's just one section of Scripture. I, I can't possibly cover them all. Go for it. Go read it yourself. From Genesis to Revelation, God is saying, guys, I love you. Love one another. Guys, I love you. Love one another. That's what he's saying. Now, I'm going to share a few practical steps to help us foster relationship with people, and I'm going to call it something cute called B-attitudes. It's the B-attitudes. I also have a purple background, so that's because that's I get to do that. <laughs> um. So be attitudes for relationship, all right? These are the attitudes to have when relating with one another. Number one, be present. Put your phone away, put your device away, be present. There may be other people that are looking, yes, but my husband, yes, but my child might be trying to reach me. Uh-huh, put your phone away. Because when it buzzes or when it rings or when that flash of text come up, what do you think the other person's thinking? They're thinking, that's more valuable than me right here now. How I do this a little bit in my head is in the olden days with the coil, you know, the, the coiled cord and the phone on the wall. If I'm out to a restaurant with somebody, I'm not near that phone. So sorry, leave a message. If you don't leave a message, that's okay. You don't have to leave a message. But if you do leave a message, I'll get it and I'll get back to you. But right now... This person is in my face, and this is who I'm going to honor right now. It's, you, you're going to have to take it back. You're going to have to willfully and willingly take back that space and that time. Make sure you lean in with your friend. Keep eye contact. Use her, his or her name. Give them cues that you're actually engaged in what they say. Be present. Number two, be intentional. Plan to connect with your friend. A friend, any friend, many friends at least once a week. If you can't do once a week, do once every other week. If you can't do that, do once a month. Put it in your calendar. Put it in your calendar. Make it a thing. I know my son-in-law, Zach, who, who sometimes he gets so busy with life that he forgets. And he doesn't, he, he admits that he doesn't quite value the relationship in the way that, that most people might. Uh, that has a lot to do with personality. I'm not going to get into personality right now. But he just doesn't, he, he needs to be reminded. He knows it's valuable, but he just kind of gets on the to-do thing and he goes forward and progresses forward. So he puts it into his calendar 
write a note, and it's to, he'll name a name, it's usually a subordinate within his organization, and, and he'll make sure he gets that person, communicates to that person, you matter, and I'm thinking about you today. And he's not faking it. It is, it is real. It's just that he needed a reminder in the calendar. So do that. Be intentional. doesn't have to be the same friend. You can mix it up. In fact, please do. Number three, be approachable and available. Slow down your life and listen to me. Smile. Practice. Practice right now. Smile. See, I just want to walk up to you now because I see it. It's like an invitation. Yeah, I'm here. Do you know when you scowl? We really do get the message that you don't want anybody near you. We get it. We get that. (laughs) Um, We get the cold shoulder. Yeah, I get it. But if you smile... You're approachable. If you're approachable, I'm telling you, people are going to come to you. (laughs) You don't have to even try and connect. They're going to come to you because you're smiling, right? A smile is irresistible. And when someone else asks to go to coffee for some time, affirm the request. Say, hey, that's a great idea. What's good for you? If you can't get together till May, that's okay. It really is. What's important in terms of nurturing that relationship is that encounter in the moment, not the May connection. That will come, and it will be important, but today is, how about we go get coffee? Yeah, let's do that. Let's put it in the calendar, whatever it is. If, they, if your first... Re- I'm going to suggest a couple of things to avoid. If they say, hey, let's go get coffee, and you say, you know what? I really don't like coffee. That's saying something... It's saying, I care more about my preferences than yours. Just say, yeah, and get hot water. It's okay. (laughs) If somebody says to you, hey, let's go get coffee, and you go, yeah, I don't know. I'm really slammed the next couple of weeks. It may be true that you're slammed, but what does the person hear? Say that? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't really want to hang out with you. And you may argue, but I didn't say that. I know, I know, I know you gave the cold hard facts, but when we're loving and preferring one another, we have to deliver and communicate in a way that honors the hearer, not to get your cold hard facts out. We have to understand how a person hears and then deliver the message close, still accurate. I do want to get coffee with you. Let's see if three weeks from now might work. That's how that works, okay? Just... Remember, we're communicating much more than facts. We're communicating heart first. Number four, be, uh, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Ask questions. Be an asker. Remember that what they tell you. Remember their first name. I, have, I, I, see, I meet strangers all of the time because of virtue of my job. And one of the hardest things for me to do is to remember first names. I don't know why I can remember a lot of things, but I it's hard, it's hard. And so I, you know, a, a patient will sit down and I'll say, what's your name? She'll say, it's Kelly. And I'll say, Kelly, in my head, I'll go, hi, glad to meet you, Kelly. I will say her first name out loud, not just because it engages her, but because it helps me remember. And then as I go to 
to process maybe a test or something like that, I'll be going, Kelly, 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 <laughs> because it, does, it takes me a while to remember. And of course, again, if you're meeting a lot of people, it, it, it probably, it's understandable why you do that. But if you're sitting with somebody, please use their name. Even if, you know, if I'm sitting with Laura, and sometimes my Laura comes over to my house, and we sit on the couch and we chat, I want to use her name. Her name is beautiful, and she loves the sound of it. It really means something wondrous to her. Communicate in a way that blesses her. Use their first name. Remember their first name. Remember circumstances and events. Last week, Connie came up to me and she said, she gave me a big hug. She might have given me something. I can't remember. You gave me the report, the report for, for Wednesday. But she stops. So she's doing something practical. And then she says, how is your dad? Connie remembers that my dad hurt it and broke his hip in December and then he went to the hospital and then he went to rehab and he came out. She knew all of that. She knew he was home, but she wanted to know more. So how's he doing now? And then you know what she did? This is amazing. She turned to Sam who was sitting next to me. How you doing, buddy? How's that shoulder? This is a woman who remembers your circumstances. That's a communication of love. Be slow to speak quick to listen and try and remember. And when your friend tells you, that, oh my gosh, I was up all night with a crying baby, it is not time for you to tell her your sleep habits or your baby's sleep habits. It's time for you to ask questions. I'm so sorry. What happened? Is she not well? It's not the time to say, oh, I know. I hardly got any sleep. Turn it back to the person who's communicated to you what's going on in their circumstances. Remember them. And then in a week, ask, hey, how's the baby sleeping? That, that stuff conveys real care and support. It takes your relationship to a new level. Number five, be brave. Don't be afraid of conflict. That's what that means. Don't be afraid of conflict. Real people, whole people, and whole relationships get better because of difficulty. Don't run away from it. Don't do the silent treatment. Don't do the avoidance. We're very good at avoiding. Ooh, that feels icky. I'm going over here and I'm not going to do that anymore. Get to it. Get to the thing. Hey, I feel like it's really awkward between us. What's going on? Have the conversation. Don't run away. Be brave. Those relationships will improve if you uh, fight through it together. And I know some of that's fighting this way, but that's okay as long as you're on the same page towards one mission. And that's reconciliation and unity will get there. We will get there because we're working this difficult stuff out. Be brave. If you want all just sunshine and, and smiles, go to the Facebook posts. Those aren't real. <laughs> Talk to real people and you'll discover what's normal. Be, be careful not to be a reactor when you're doing that, when you're working out conflict. Don't just react to what they say. That's hard. Be a responder prayerfully. Sometimes you need to just kind of shut up and wait a minute, just hear them out and say, you know what, I'm feeling a lot of feelings right now and I'm afraid I'm not going to say the things I need to say. So give me, you know, a day or give me an hour. I need to go for a walk. But, but do it. But do it anyways. Don't, don't avoid that stuff. And then finally, number six, be patient. Relationships, <laughs> trust, takes time. It takes practice. Don't give up because stuff, stuff does happen. It gets difficult. Don't give up. But press through, and, but be patient. Keep investing, keep investing. Whether it's your spouse, um, your child, 
coworker, a boss, family member, an extended family member, or a new believer, somebody who's new. Just keep going. All right, you got it down? Anybody want to take a picture of that and put it up on Facebook? (laughs) These are the six points to ponder as you strive for real relationship. And it's great to have six helpful hints, and you guys probably took some really good notes. I've got some really hard news. This isn't going to be enough. There's just no way. We're talking about living, breathing relationships, and it's not going to be settled in six points, I promise you. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint you. It's just not. It's not. If I were going to tell you how to bake a cake, I could probably do that in six steps. If I told you how to ride a bike, maybe six steps. I told you how to have a baby, I can do that. It would be more like 10 steps. And if I told you how to program a remote, I'm not going to be able to do that, but I could get you the instructions in about 12 steps in four different languages. Because those kinds of things can be whittled down to steps, right? But we're talking about people. We're talking about living, breathing relationships. And it's, it's just not this simple. As I said at the beginning, if our motive is simply to do the six steps, you're going to suck the life out of it. We end up with this to-do list, and some of you are going to be great at this. You're very capable. You're going to be able to do this for a whole week. You're going to feel good next Sunday. Most of us are going to fall on our face tomorrow and say, eh, I tried. I'm not a very good friend. I'm saying keep it. I'm not even saying that these are bad ideas. They're good ideas. But don't rely on them to actually nurture relationships. It's not. They're helpful hints is what they are. If you try to make it a thing to do, the striving will actually suck the life out of the relationship. The trying to make it a rule changes it from a relationship. It sours it because it's more about us getting our our six steps done than about the person we're relating to. The deeper issue of the heart needs to be addressed, and that's your heart and my heart. We need to be willing to ask ourselves some hard questions. Why am I so guarded? Why don't I want to see the real people? Or why don't I want them to see the real me? Why don't I want to connect with people? Why do I so often feel awkward with people? Why am I afraid to connect with people? Is it because we're concerned we won't be accepted? That we're really, truly, deeply unlovable? But that's a hard thing to say. Do we actually like people? And if we don't, then why don't we? Are we afraid of exposure, of what people will see if they see that we're vulnerable? It's easier to keep people at arm's length. It really is. But why do we feel that way? I don't have any answers. I've got a lot of questions. I believe, at least in part, it's because we don't truly believe what God has to say about us. We don't believe he loves us. We believe our feelings define us. And too often, we feel unacceptable, right? Not enough not worthy of friendship, not worthy of love. If we're trying to have a relationship with people, but we ourselves struggle with this sort of insecurity, our relationships will suffer. That makes sense, right? If I'm not feeling secure in my relationship this way, how in the world? We're just faking it. Day number 15 of our reset book was all about love. That's the heading, love. And in that chapter, Bob Sorge quotes John 15, 9 and 12. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 
this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Bob goes on to say, how can we love like Jesus? Only by coming to the womb of the secret place and receiving his power to love. That's the only way. We have to believe and rest in the plain and simple truth. You are loved absolutely, completely, and eternally by God himself. If I thought those words did it, my goodness, you'd make my life. But I recognize that I just reiterated a very common encouragement many of you have heard many, many times, hundreds of times. Believe that God loves you. Would you just believe that God loves you? Ugh. How do I have faith in something so hard to believe? It will require humility. You will have to decide that what God says is true is true by his word and by his spirit, and it's truer than how I feel. That's humility. You're right. I'm not thinking clearly. So what does the word and the spirit have to say? As you may well know, the Bible, like I said, the Bible's filled with encouragement about God's love, how we should love others, but how he loves us. Here's one of my favorites, Zephaniah 3.17. If you haven't seen it before, look it up and underline it. You're going to love it. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Can you imagine right this minute? God is singing over you, right over you. Isn't that cool? He's singing over you. Do you feel it? No? Believe it anyway. I'm telling you, he's truer than what you're feeling and what you're thinking. I was talking with someone about God's love recently, and they said, yeah, I really do believe that God loves me. I really do. I just don't feel it. How many of us can relate to that, right? Most revelation begins with seed-sized faith. It's okay for you to just believe that God loves you. But I promise you God's not going to be satisfied with that. He loves you too much for you to have just an academic Sunday school understanding of how much he loves you. He's a pursuer. He is a lover. He wants you to know it to the extent that he feels it or he, believe, he, he is it because God is love. He wants you to know it. Many of us have come to understand a measure of God's love, demonstrated at times when we've been hurt, lost, sick, wounded, in bondage, full of fear. I remember feeling utterly alone and feeling a superhero, uh, really needing, excuse me, a superhero God of grace to come and rescue me out of fear. And you know what? He did that. And I was filled with an awareness of his love and it filled me with hope. And that, has, that hope has had an unshakable grip on me that was over 20 years ago. And I am captured in the, the beauty and wonder of such a magnificent God that would save me from, from feeling so awful in my fear, anxiety, and, and depression. He came and he rescued me. But do you know, do you want to know where God's love goes the deepest in me? It's actually not there. It's a big deal. Believe me, I'm grateful for the way he rescued me there. The place where I can hardly speak of even now. 
place that kind of sends shivers in me and it catches my breath and it's hard for me even to communicate, even in words as I'm trying here to do that now, is when I consider my selfishness and my pride and my arrogance, when I've considered my sin, when I've considered the ugliness that's deep, deep down inside. It's so hard to look at, but it's so good for my soul. It's not condemnation. It can go that way. You can take that and go and say, ooh, I'm a jerk. You can do that, or you can go another way because there's hope. When I caught a glimpse, and then more than a glimpse, of this glorious Savior who said, yeah, honey, I know. I know you're a jerk. (laughs) It's okay. You know, I used to fight the enemy when he'd come and he'd say, hey, you know, you're a pretty bad mom. And I'd be like, I rebuke you, Satan. And then, <laughs> and then I go, Lord, he keeps bothering me. And the Lord's like, well, what did he say? He said, I'm a bad mom. Well, are you? Sometimes. Okay. All right. Why are you fighting it? It's okay. <laughs> because I love you. And I can rescue you from the depths of sin. And I can empower you to be a good mom. <laughs> this is the love of God. It's so much better than healing. I, healing's great. I'm telling you, blind eyes seeing, it's awesome. Resurrection from the dead, yay. But oh my goodness, this perfect God looked at me and said, I love you in the midst of your ugly. And he, and he came and he rescued me and it's okay. And I, even when I blow it today, he's still going to be there. Come on, honey. Come on, let's clean up. Not because I'm unacceptable, but because I am acceptable. Because I am loved. Because he's training me and teaching me like a good dad does. And he fills me with promise that tomorrow's going to be better than a day. Seems weird, I know, to be talking about this kind of thing. It's, it's fairly typical for me to kind of really kind of get lost in the salvation, the saving grace of Jesus Christ because it's the best news you will ever hear. It is the best news you will ever hear. But we're talking about relationship. But bear with me. God demonstrated, Romans 5, 8, God, God demonstrated his own love for you and for me. Because while we were yet sinners, he, Christ died for us. Let that sink in. While you were yet, the stuff you don't want to look at inside, while you're there, he loves you. Believing that is everything. And I want to help, I'm trying to help you bring into that place. So I kind of created a little... Um, analogy, I guess. It's, an, it's of a hammock. This is what I see often, actually. Believing in the love of your, of your Father in heaven is kind of like this. First John 5, 7 says, for there are three that bear witness. I talked about this in a, li- a little bit ago. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Those three are one. What they say goes. It's, it's done deal. They, are, they witness one another. They're, it's accountable. It's there. It's done. It's, it's, it's the truth, okay? Regardless of how I feel. So we've got the word on one side, we've got the spirit on the other, and the Father is love. Now you can study that hammock and the physics of it hanging there and all that. You can go to Sunday school and you can get A's across the board, but until you climb in there and fall asleep in that place, 
you're going to only understand it at arm's length. You've got to be swallowed up and find peace in the place of this truth that God loves you. When you do that, when you close your, close your eyes and choose to gratefully rest in God's very real love for you, he transforms you from the inside out. It's not about a doing anymore. He transforms you from the inside out. The desire to love others comes up from that place like a fountain of life rushing out on others. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? As you receive the love of God who can't help but explode out his love, of course that's going to happen to you. He's going to help you, a mere human being, to love other mere human beings with God-sized love. That's how you nurture a relationship. Six steps are fine, but how you nurture a whole, healthy, um, supernatural relationship is by choosing to rest and be filled with the love of God. If you believe you are loved in the ugly places, down deep, You'll discover a freedom and even a joy to love others in their ugly places too. In fact, you're going to see them beautiful. You won't see them ugly because that's not how God sees you. So how do you foster relationships in a disconnected world? Begin by marinating in God's love for you. Take him at his word. Believe him. Let him fill you to overflowing with his love and then go soak some more. Don't try to understand it. The love of Christ passes understanding and let it overwhelm you. And you'll discover that his love in you will actually propel you outward. You'll be a magnet for people and you'll love it. As I close, um, and if this if this speaks to you, I want to pray for you. Um, so I'm going to ask you to, to just stand. Um, close your eyes. If this, if this is reaching you, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, receive. Put yourself in a posture of receiving. I'm going to pray a scripture, and then I'm going to pray over you as I do this. From Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. I pray... Receive it now. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints, everybody in this room and everybody that trusts God, what is the width and the length and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, that's what our heart's cry is. Fill us with the love that has no bounds. Go deep. The places, Father, that it's hard for us to even look at or to admit are there. We're done defending it. We're done trying to make our point. We're tr done trying to be right. We just, we just release it up to you, Father. Would you cover us? Would you heal us? Would you fix even out the way we think that we would be, be believers of your word, of your truth, of your spirit? Mark us, Father God, mark us by, our by your love and then, and then help.
help us to go outward and to nurture the relationships around us with that same love. Father, we give you glory and praise and we thank you for it. Thank you for it. Amen. We are going to offer the opportunity for you to connect with God today through prayer. I'm going to ask the, the helps team, uh, prayer teams to come on forward. Whether you need healing or encounter or life or prophecy, maybe you want that saving grace. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus in the way I've said. Maybe you have never felt the forgiveness of sin and the utter uh, transforming power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Christ. Salvation is waiting for you. God has absolutely brought you here on purpose to hear this today, to come into his throne, his throne room, but also to come into his heart so that you are connected with him. You are invited. I hope you hear his invitation to come and connect with him. He likes you. He really does. He likes you. If you would like prayer, please feel free to come forward now and connect with a member of one of the prayer teams. You, you're welcome to come on up now. If you'd rather sit there and marinate, that's totally fine. If you have to leave, God bless you as you do. Uh, I'm just asking that you do that quietly so that this atmosphere remains kind of prayerful for the people who are, are connecting. All right. Thank you. and God bless you. Thanks for letting me share.